This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Anybody have their Bible tonight? If you have a Bible, anybody got a real Bible, paper Bible? Anybody still carry these, real Bible? Where are my digital Bibles? iPhones, iPads? How many just got it memorized? You don't even need to carry it around anymore. All right. (laughs) All right. Uh, Judges chapter 6. If you have your Bible, turn to Judges chapter 6 tonight. Judges chapter 6. I want to read a few verses as I want to encourage you tonight. Judges chapter 6. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. You'll see it on the screen behind me if you didn't bring a Bible tonight. And I want to say this again. If you're a guest tonight, and again, other churches celebrating. We have such so many great churches in the city. We're glad you're here. But if, you're, if you don't have a home church, you're like, man, I'm just going to come tonight. You're thinking, what is this? Is this a concert? What is this? Uh, it's definitely not a comedy show because he ain't funny. But uh, uh, what is it? We're just glad you're here. And we know it takes a lot of courage to walk into a new place. It takes a lot of courage to come into a new community and just try. And, and I want to thank you for trusting us. Thank you for um, making the effort tonight. We're really glad you're here. And if you just fill out one of these cards and take it to the welcome table, we'd love to give you a gift. And we're just really, really honored that you would trust us enough to come here tonight. Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It's a story of a man named Gideon. If you grew up in church, you may have been around for a while, you would have known this story. If you haven't, there's a, a young man named Gideon, and without getting too much into the text and too much in the history, there are always an enemy to God's people, and Gideon was a part of God's people, but because of these armies and enemies that would continually come in and steal their crops and their livestock and do horrible, unmentionable things, they were a people that were in hiding and people with no confidence. I can say this because I'm from the East Coast. Many times that's kind of been the flavor of the East Coast, and we can only say it because we're from here, but it's like, well, you know, the rest of the country, other places, when someone moves here from somewhere else, we're always like, why? Because it's not because of the weather. Come on, somebody. You know, it's like, well, why did you move here? We have people on our team from Bahamas. I'm like, excuse me, why? You know, right, I don't mean to say, you know, but we're, we're curious. Here we have God's people in a place where they feel like sometimes they, maybe they're beaten down and they're not in a great season. We pick it up here in verse 1. It says this, The Israelites did evil in God's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites, which is the enemy of God's people, for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalekah, and people from the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with the livestock and tents were as thick as locusts, or in today's culture, that would be dandelions on my lawn. And uh, they arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. They took everything. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. I want to jump down. I want to jump down to verse 11. Now God shows up. Whenever there's a challenge, God will look for someone to rise to the challenge. Whenever there's a giant, there's always a David. Whenever there's a, an enemy, there's always a champion. Whenever there is a struggle, there's always a way. He's the, way, he's the guy that makes the way where there seems to be no way. No, God shows up in verse 11, and he's always looking for people that are willing to step in. And he says in verse 11, then the, then the angel of the Lord came and beneath the great tree of Ophrah, not Oprah, but true story. This is where Oprah got her name from, and they misspelled it on her birth certificate. True story. She was supposed to be called Oprah, but she's called Oprah. Uh, so we'll, that's just a little bit of free trivia. That's free. Not going to charge you for that. You've already given, so we're just going to keep moving. Which belonged in Joash, the clan of Abizer, Gideon, the son of Joash. This is important. 
Gideon, the son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. That's not where you make bread. That's not where you deal with wheat in a wine press. He was doing it because it was a place to hide. Usually you do that in public, but because of fear, they were in a hiding place. To hide the grain from the Midianites, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, I like how God doesn't answer here. God just keeps going. Uh, He just, just doesn't even bother answering that question. He says, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. What he was saying is, my family are the biggest losers in all the land, and I am the biggest loser in my family. That makes me the biggest loser in all the land. That's what he's saying right there. My clan's the weakest, and I'm the the runt. I'm the, the weakest in my clan. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and I will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Tonight, for the next few minutes and the time allotted to me, I want to encourage you tonight. If you're taking notes, would you write this title down? Just I want you to think about this thought and let it settle into your spirit tonight. This title tonight, Builders. You'll see it behind me tonight. Builders. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a builder. Bob the Builder. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. God, we thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice. God, I pray these next few minutes, Father, would mirror what we saw even in the worship. God, your presence here. God, we thank you that we know you're good and we know that you're here. God, I thank you that you always hear us. God, our goal tonight is not for mere information or even inspiration, but our goal tonight is transformation. That, God, when we meet with you, we have to leave different than we came in. If we came in down, we leave with hope. If we came in lost, we left found by your presence. If we came in weak, we can leave with strength. Father, I pray we would mirror you, not our culture, not even sometimes each other, but, God, I pray tonight you would strengthen us, meet with us, I pray we'd feel your presence, and God, I thank you that you're good. Father, thank you for these next few minutes. And everybody said, what are you horrible at? Everybody's got something they're horrible at. I'm horrible at dancing. I grew up in church, and, and I can only know one dance move, and it's called the Holy Ghost Hop. It's just like this. It's all I can do. I am a horrible dancer. Once in a while at home, in the privacy, just to embarrass my kids, I start to move all four cheeks and a couple of chins, and I start moving things, and my kids are like, Dad, don't. Me and my daughter will have dance battles in the car, but my son just like, thank God for tinted windows, and just slouches down, because you can ruin a junior high's reputation with a dancing dad. I'm not good at dancing. You know what else I'm not good at? I'm not good at spelling. My spelling's atrocious. I can't spell atrocious, but I can say it. I, I just not, th- how many, Google, I Google words all the time. Thank God for Google. Come on, somebody. Like, that's my number one, just how do you, just start, you try to get close enough, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, okay, is that an S or a C? Like, you, and it, n- nothing comes up, and then you're just Googling, and finally, then, all right, thank you, God. And I'm not good at spelling at all. I'm also horrible at math. We're my people that just, you're horrible at math. These are my people. We don't want to work for you. We don't want you to do our taxes or our bills, but you're my people. Math is of the devil. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Math and cats. <laughs> That's just together. Just I offended a whole bunch of people, but if you're cat people, you're not going to last long here anyway if you're offended. So uh, 
math. Like, you know, you're in school. My, I can't, you know, I feel like I'm smart some days until my son's like, can you help me with homework? And I feel like the, 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 the most unintelligent person in the world at that moment. My, my grade eight son and my, even my grade five daughter, I'm like, I can't help you. Nancy, and we're Googling stuff. We're calling accountants. And we're just like, what are we? It's grade five, math. Get that word equation. If, 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 if a man takes a train from Halifax to Toronto, and at every stop, three people get off and one gets off. How many people are on the train when they pull the train? That that, that's my definition of nightmare right there. Some of you, it, it's public speaking. Others, it's, it's being lost at sea. Mine, that equation is my nightmare right there. I have other questions. Like, first of all, who takes the train anymore? That's, that's where my mind goes. Have they heard about planes? Like, come on. Then I go to, honestly, my mind goes, is there Wi-Fi on the train? I would want to know if there's Wi-Fi. That, that's where my mind goes in that equation. Why are people on the train to begin with? Who takes the train anymore? Why are we doing this? I just, I'm not good at these things. I realize that we're not good at everything, but I believe tonight, I want to encourage you, there are some things we were made to do. No matter your race, no matter your face, no matter your creed, no matter your, your, your income, no matter your background, no matter your name, who your father was, your mother was, I do believe we share in common what we were made to do. I believe the satisfaction, the peace, the fulfillment that eludes many is found in this, is in building people's lives. I want to challenge you tonight. I believe no matter who you are tonight, I believe it's in our DNA, it's in our very makeup, and I believe the reason why many people are chasing things they never succeed, that business or relationships in itself or, or finances or things that we try to find satisfaction, I believe that because sometimes we get away from our DNA that we were made to, for building with our lives, building with our lives. The Bible says we were made in God's image. Did you know that? Made in God's image. It says in Genesis 127, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. And in his image, he created them. I want to let you know tonight, we are little gods. We are like God. We are not God. We are not deity. We are not that. But we are made in his image. We are based off of the image of God. He made us like him. That's why we find it so easy in culture to worship people. I want to let you know, we were never made to worship pastors or politicians or movie stars or musicians. We were never made to worship people. But the reason why we get it confused is we get confused with the image, with the real thing. We were made in God's image. I want to let you know this. God is a builder. That's what God does. He's a builder. God built creation. In six days, Jesus builds the church. It says in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. He is still building his church. Our hope is not in our talents to build this church, but we know that God said, I, Jesus said, I'm building my church, and we are simply partnering with him. But God is a builder. Jesus is a builder. The Holy Spirit builds us. The Bible says he's our empowerer. He gives us power. He's our comforter. He's our teacher. He's helping us. The Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. Because the Holy Spirit makes us and helps us and builds us. And God is a builder. It's what God does. This is a story of God building history, building a bridge of rescue, building a pathway for us back to his presence. God is a builder. But that means that if God creates, and we're made in his image, meaning we must create, we must build. It's in our DNA. It's in our DNA. So how do we build tonight? And I believe if you can get a hold of this tonight, it'll bring a satisfaction to your life. I believe it'll change your spiritual life. I believe there's another level of peace that comes into your life because sometimes you just got to know you were made to do certain things. It's in our DNA. We were made to build. How do we build tonight? One way we build tonight I want to focus on is words. Words. Words are so powerful. 
We are made like God, and God builds with words. It says in Isaiah 55, 11, it says, My word goes out from my mouth, God says. It says in Isaiah 55, 11, my, mouth, my word goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I grew up in the New King James. It says, my word will not return void. It will not return empty. It will not return without something. In God cannot send out his word without getting something back. God does not do vain words. God just doesn't just talk to hear his own voice. When God speaks, there's always a return. And if God's words don't return empty, I can't help but think we're in his image. Our words don't return empty. God builds with words. Creation. He said, let there be light. And there was light. He builds with words. Jesus called Lazarus, who was dead, out of the tomb. And he said, Lazarus, with his words, come out. Scholars say he said Lazarus' name because if he had just said, come out, all the dead people would have come up. But he builds with his words, and God built creation with his words. Jesus raised people from the dead with his words. He built life. God builds with words. We're made in his image. I want to let you know tonight, our words are not empty. Our words do not return void. Our words return there is power in our words. The question is tonight is what are we building with our words? Every teenager, every adult, every mom and dad, every senior in the place, I want to let you know we are builders, and one way we build is with our words. It says in Proverbs 18, 21. You'll see it on the screen behind me. It says the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love the talk will reap the consequences. The tongue can bring death or life. Life. I want to let you know today, we are made in God's image. His word cannot return void. When God speaks, things change. Light forms. Planets are made. Lives are, are, are made. People are saved. Miracles happen. When God speaks, miracles happen. I want to let you know today, when we speak, something's happened. Something's coming back in our investment. It might be life or it might be death. But we're made in his image and our words have power. Tonight I want to let you know as a church, we are passionate about being builders of people and builders of God's plan. Only you know tonight that the tongue, our words, bring either life or death. Remember the sayings you heard as a kid that you tested out? Remember those sayings? I remember this one saying, my mother, my mother's right here, it's her birthday tomorrow. I'm not going to say how old she is, but tomorrow will be her 72nd time celebrating it. I'm going to pay for that, aren't I? She has a new hip so I can outrun her. Anyway, we're good. I love you, Mom. Happy birthday tomorrow. Well, my mother would say things like, Michael, don't cross your eyes in the wind, because I was that kid that was always making faces. I was the kid doing inappropriate things, and she'd say, don't cross your eyes in the wind. Do you remember the time you first tried that? Like, is my mother a liar? And she was. I never forget the first time on a windy day, I'm like, oh, I'm going for it, you know? <laughs> Am I the only one? I'm like, all right, all right. I'm risking getting married. I'm risking seeing straight. I'm risking a lot of things right now. But I got to know. I got to know right now. I just cross my eyes, face to the wind, and hope for the best. And walking in, I never forget walking into a mirror going, I think I'm good, you know. Remember the saying, if you step on a crack, you break your mother's. I was mad at her one day. You can't make this up. I'll never forget coming home from school. I remember, I remember trying to jump over the sidewalks and moving because someone at school had said that. I thought, what is that? We were playing Foursquare or Hopscotch or something. Like, what is, is that true? And I was like, I remember one day I was, I was like, you know what? I was just, you know, just lying to me about the wind. I thought they were chocolate chip cookies, but they were raisin. That's why I had trust issues. You know? So I'm like, I'm like, all right, mom. All right, this is the day. Let's see. You know, yeah, yeah. 
jumped on every crack on the way home. I get home, she walks me at the door. You know, I was like, okay, that's not true. <laughs> Remember this one, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true either. It was always, you know, someone would say something and, and, and uh, they make up a rhyme with your name or say something cruel, and sometimes kids can be cruel, sometimes adults can be cruel, and just say things, well, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but those names, but it's not true. Why? Because, you know, what well, I've learned that sticks and stones or physical altercations can leave bruises, but there's something internal bleeding that happens sometimes with that. Why? Because words have power. You can have 100 people compliment you over your life, but one person tear you down, and it's amazing how that sticks. Why? Because there's power in our words. We're made in God's image. His words create universes. His words bring people back to life. Our words have power in them. There's power in our words. I want to let you know tonight we're called to be builders in this place. Called to be builders. The challenge for us is are we creating life or death? Calm or chaos? What are you creating tonight? It's not just what you say. It's what you tweet. It's what you post. It's what you text. It's, it's, it's no matter what age you are, whatever app you use. And out of the heart, the thumbs texts. And out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And my question I keep asking myself is, with my words, am I building life or death? Am I building calm or chaos? When I speak, what am I building with my life? Because I know God's called us to build life, build life in others. I am so thankful for a culture here at this church that we are a culture of life. We are a culture of speaking life. Man, we have challenges. It's been a lot of challenges to get to this level as a church. A lot of challenges. But what's amazing is over and over and over, the team we have around us says, well, we can do that. Uh, no, no, we can, do, we can figure it out. We'll get it done. Tonight was one of those nights. No, we'll figure it out. We can make it happen. We'll come together, and we have a positive uh, culture around here. We are encouragers around here. I am thankful for that culture because I believe what we speak actually happens. It comes to life. It's not hocus pocus. It's not, a, it's not some kind of champ, but the Bible says in his image, if his words doesn't return void, the Bible says that life and death, if I speak life, life comes. If I speak death, it's amazing how death can come to my marriage, to my kids, to my friendships, to my atmosphere. What are we building tonight? Words of encouragement are so important, aren't they? We need to be encouragers in this place. Build people up. We have power in our words to build things in other people. I'd rather be a cheerleader than a critic. I feel like you're too positive. Okay. You're too positive. No, I'd rather be a cheerleader on the field than a critic in the stands. I want to spend my life cheering people on, celebrating their wins. Let it be said of the church of God that we are more cheerleaders than we are critics. <laughs> cheering people on. So thankful for churches even like Kings Valley, some of their teams here tonight. Not just with words, but giving us money as a church and even some of their team tonight just to come and cheer us on and be a part. I'm thankful that, hey, you know, we're not going to criticize. We're going to build because we need more churches in Halifax are doing well. I'm thankful for people that put their, put their actions behind their heart and their words. And I want to let you know today, we can build. I'd rather be a cheerleader any day. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, So encourage each other. Build each other up just as you are already doing. Encouragement tonight. Can I encourage you? With your words, build people up. The Bible is a book of encouragement. It's not a book of rules. It's a book of encouragement. You can only read this through the lens of a cheerleader, not the lens of a critic. You've got to understand, this is a book of God cheering us on. There's power in the word of God. 
Genesis, God said, there's leadership on your life, creation, man and woman. There's leadership on you. I see you in charge. There's a lot of things created, but there is leadership and potential, and there is power in your unity. I brought you together because God has a plan. In Genesis, they messed up, and God goes, you know what, we're going to find a way to make this work. In Exodus, it was God going, listen, your choices have put you into slavery. But in Exodus, God goes, I got a plan. I'm going to encourage you. Hang on. We're sending a deliverer to get you out of Egypt to where you're supposed to be. In Matthew, in the Gospels, God says, I want to encourage you. I'm sending my son to pay the price. Listen, you're far from me, but I can bring you back. I want to encourage you that I have a plan to get you back into my presence. The book of Acts the church is born, the Holy Spirit is poured out, and God goes, hang in there, I want to let you know I want to use you to partner with me to build the church. I believe there's still leadership on you. You may have made some choices, some mistakes, but I'm not against you. I'm not, I'm not down. I'm not criticizing you. I'm saying, hey, let's get this done. Let's go to another level. You can't read this book through the eyes of a critic. Let's find what everything is wrong with culture. Our culture is far from God. People are far from God's level of holiness. But God says, I have a plan, and his plan is the church. I want to encourage you, read this as a cheerleader, as God cheering you on, going, listen, you're not where you need to be. You're not living the best life you could, but I have a plan. It's called asking for forgiveness. It's called repentance, and I'm quick not to judge you and smash you down, but raise you up and come in, and I'm as close as the mention of my name. You'll never be alone. God is an encourager. I'm not talking about flattery, which is empty words of hype. I'll never forget, I was preaching once, and Someone came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Mike, that was a really good message. Touched my life. It was just so good. And I just had one of those nights, you know, like sometimes you get those nights. I was like, oh, yeah? Well, which part? Which part did you? It was so good, Pastor Mike. So good. Like, like, so good. Like, I'm still chewing on it. It's so good. I'm like, which part? And they're like, ah. Uh, just, just one point. Ah. Uh, any, 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 anything. Ah. Uh. I was like, you know, I realized at that moment they just wanted to come up and say the right thing. I'm not talking about empty words of hype. I'm like, you're amazing. Love you. Love your hair. Love your outfit. You're amazing. I'm not talking about empty words of hype. This is not hype. We believe that as we speak, there's a return on our words, that we speak to the best in people, not putting down the worst in people. Well, we were still a long way off. I said, God, Jesus died for us. Well, we were still a long way. What you're saying was, no, no, I see the best, and I'm willing to give everything. I'm all in because I see the best. I see the gold in the middle of the mess. That is the God we serve. Anybody can criticize, but there's something about words of encouragement. I believe what you speak will come to pass. Some people see a cloud in every silver lining. You ever know that? They see a cloud. I drove a church bus for 10 years, picking up people for church. For 10 years, I was on a rotation, me and some other people, and we picked up people. I'll never forget, there's this one guy who was always, always, always saw the cloud in every silver lining. He was like, it's too rainy today. Hate the rain. Other days it was beautifully, oh, it's too, too hot. I was like, okay, too hot. Other weeks, like, this bus is too full. There's too many people on this bus. Other weeks, no one uses this bus. What a waste. The people don't use, I'm like, you can never get, we were too early picking them up. We were too late picking them up. There's always, you ever meet someone like this? There's always something. I want to encourage you tonight that we're always building with our words. Here's the question. If our church, if our families, our city was based on our words, would it be better or worse? Not our government, not our social system, not what budget the government passes, not on the churches in the city, not on who you follow on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, but on our words, comes out of our mouth, would my church, would my family, would my city be better or worse because of my words? That's a challenge. And not just, I've realized, it's not the words on a pulpit that make you great, it's the words in private. 
Honor is not clapping for a pastor in church. It's what you don't say sometimes in a coffee shop. Honor my wife is not celebrating our anniversary on a stage. It's what I do when I'm alone. I've realized that, that, that it's different, but there is power in my words. Would my, is my marriage, is my kids, is my church, is our city, is every coffee shop I walk into, is it better or worse because of the words I speak? I was told early that marriage and even parenting is like this, that they're like a plant, like a flower. And if you water it with hope and encouragement, they will blossom and grow. And for 18 years, I can say this, that I've taken that to heart. If I can pour words of encouragement and into my kids and love and hope, you will see it grow. You'll see, and we're seeing that grow in our lives. You ever come across somebody, and I'm not talking they're having a bad day as a parent, but you just know they are over their head in life, and they're struggling, and they, the way they talk to their kids, you know it's not just that bad moment. We all have those moments. You know what I'm saying? Like the grocery cart's running away from you. You're stressed out of your mind, and you have to use the bathroom. You have four kids. I'm not talking about that moment. But we've all come across those parents somewhere that you just know in their tone and in their words, they're struggling as a parent. Sometimes it happens on a plane when I'm traveling. I was flying this week, and sometimes you see a kid like, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Actually, no, that'd be an old name. No. Liam, that'd be a current name. Liam, Liam, sit down. The pilot's going to pull the plane over. He's going to push you outside, Liam. And then they do the count. I'm going to count to three. I was walking off the plane a couple of years ago, and this kid would not sit down. And I'm counting to three, Liam. One, I swear, I walked by, I looked at him, I said, she's bluffing. Because <laughs> usually they'll count to three over. I'm going to get the three. three. Liam, I'm counting again. Like, Liam, she's bluffing. And I kept walking, hoping she couldn't catch me. It's interesting, though, when you hear someone talk abusively to someone, to a marriage, to a child, when you see someone, especially a child, someone talk abusively, we've all seen it. Why are you doing that? You're so stupid. Come on, you're just a bad kid. Why aren't you? You're going to get it when we get When you see that anger and those words, you know it's a well, probably coming out of pain where they've been hurt, but it is still pouring out. You get a glimpse of what they're going to reap in five to ten years in that kid. Now, God can step in, and people can intervene, and thank God, even people in this room, some of you never had encouraging words, but because of other people in your life and God's goodness and helping you, and you're hungry for, for encouragement, you have pulled yourself out of that negativity. But so many times, I can see the words now and know what we'll see later on. Why? Because words have power. You get a glimpse of the kid's future. I want to encourage you tonight. You'll hear things before you see things. God said it before you saw it. God says it, and then you see it. You'll hear things before you ever see it happen. The Bible says walk by faith, not by sight. The Bible also says faith comes by hearing the word of God. Listen, I want to tell you this tonight, that words build something in you before God wants to build it through you. That's why we believe the power of words. Many times, listen, this church was a word in us before it came a word through us. Some of your businesses and marriages and dreams, God put a word in you saying, I think you can do this. I want, you want to build this with your life before others saw it come through you. You will hear it before you see it. Let it be said, the change we see in our city will not be because of a politician and we pray for them. It won't be because of a message from a stage. It'll be because of constant people saying, I am a builder with my life. In every coffee shop, in every living room, in every bedroom, in every, every room, every place we go, we will speak words of life, not flattery, not falseness, but pulling out the best in people going, no, no, you're far from where you need to be, and this is not the right choice, but I believe that God has a plan for you. I believe you can do better. I believe you can be better. I believe God can take you from where you are to where you need to be. You may not see it right now, 
but I speak it, know it will be. I am here today because people spoke things into my life and now we're seeing it. I speak to my kids all the time, you're world changers. You're going to be great husbands and wives. You're going to be brilliant. I tell, tell my daughter, you're going to change the world. You're, my kids were asking, what should I do with my life? I said, do whatever you want, as long as it changes the world. As long as it leaves people better. Because if that's an accountant, if that's a teacher, if that's a, someone, a conductor on a train getting one person off and three people on between here and Toronto, you can do it. I won't be joining you, but you can do it. I don't care what you do with your life, as long as you leave people better and closer to God, whatever that is, can I encourage you tonight? You'll see, you'll hear it before you ever see it. Gideon had to have something spoken to him before God worked through him. We're called to be builders of people and our tools are words of hope, grace, truth, forgiveness, and power. Tonight as we close, I wanna say this, may we be passionate tonight. May we be a culture that is authentic and contagious of encouragers. May people not come here, they're too positive. They're too happy. They're too excited about my life and their life. Let it be said that we are encouragers because if we speak it, we'll see it. We live in the best city in Canada. Even Sackville and Spryfield. Even the dark, darkness, dark side, darkness. I believe my kids will have successful marriages. I believe that I will see my, my, my 50th wedding anniversary. I believe that this church will grow. I believe people far from God will come here and not find a preacher, but find hope in Jesus Christ. Why? If we speak it, we'll see it. Tonight we're seeing it. In your life, we're seeing it. Gideon had had something spoken to him. He couldn't even see it. He said, I'm the weakest in my clan, and my clan is the weakest in my nation. I'm hiding away from everybody. I'm in a hidden place because of fear, and God comes to him and speaks truth, not flattery. He says, you're a hero. You're a man of God. You're full of courage. You're going to deliver your nation. You're not only going to deliver your tribe, you're going to deliver a nation. You're going to make a difference. When you fight, you're not going to be fighting thousands. It's going to be like one-on-one -on -one because I am with you. And if I'm with you, who can stand against you? And God started to speak it, and Gideon's like, where were you? And Gideon looked at it like a critic, and God goes, oh, no, I'm a cheerleader, because if I speak it, I'm speaking life into you, man of God. Some of you don't feel like a man of God or woman of God. You don't feel like you're full of courage. You don't feel like you're making it. You feel like you're drowning in fear, maybe drowning in depression or religion. Maybe you're drowning in something else. You're like, no, 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 no not me. No. Tried marriage. I wasn't good at it, but inside you know there's a dream in your heart to be married, and you're like, no, 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 I just, no, it's not me. Maybe you don't feel like you can handle your kids. You're the best parent for those kids. God, God knew what he was doing. I want to speak life into your parenting. And God wants to speak it before you see it. Because that's the way words work. I want to encourage you tonight as a church. May we be obsessed with speaking life over people. Because there is life and death in the power of our, we are builders tonight, not critics. Gone are the days where we just criticize government and churches and leaders and people. Not casting a blind eye, but no, no, we're going to be part of the solution. We're going to work hard. We're going to speak life. If we speak life, we'll see life. Passion with building people. Tonight as we close, I want to read what God said over Gideon over you tonight. Maybe you're in a hidden place. You're here tonight, but there's areas of your life you know God's called you out in, but you're hiding. 
feel like I got nothing to offer. Let me read tonight God's word over you. The Bible says it cannot return empty or void. It'll stir something inside your spirit that you didn't know was asleep. It'll waken it up. It'll impart courage that you didn't know you didn't have. It'll change you from the inside out. God has a plan for your life. Verse 12. Tonight you feel like you're hiding. You feel like you're struggling. You feel like you're just battling tonight. Almighty hero, the Lord is with you. Not zero, hero tonight. Heroes save the day. Heroes are a people rely on. You haven't been able to be counted on in your marriage or your parenting or maybe in your church or your business or in your friendships, your family. Tonight he doesn't see you as a zero but a hero. He calls it out in you tonight. He says you're a hero. Make a difference in someone's life. You're a hero tonight. The Lord is with you. You felt alone tonight. You walked in here surrounded with people feeling alone. No, no, God's with you. It says in verse 14, it says go with the strength you have and rescue your family, your city, your country from the enemy. I don't know what enemies you're facing tonight, but God says go in the strength you have, not you're gonna have, not that you need to find, but the one he's given you today. If he speaks it, it's there. If he can speak the heavens into existence, if he can create the earth in six days, if he can raise Lazarus from the dead with the word, he can put strength into you tonight. With the strength you have and rescue your people, your world, Rescue my kids. Rescue my marriage. Rescue my finances. Rescue my friends. Rescue my circle. Rescue my city. I am sending you. Oh, you're on a mission of encouragement to build people. Verse 16. And the Lord said to him, and he'll say to you tonight, I will be with you. And you will destroy the enemy as if you were fighting against one man. Some of you feel like the odds have been against you. You feel like the odds are against you. You can't keep your head above water. You can't go against all the issues and all the problems. Tonight, God is leveling the field. He's saying, I am with you tonight, O hero, O woman of God. Go in the strength that you have. And any enemy comes against you, I speak it and we will see it. This is a place of encouragement and of strength. You walked in one way, but God wants to speak to you. And you're gonna hear it before you see it. Tonight, we are builders. May we be passionate as a church in every conversation, in every worship practice, in every area of our kids' ministry, in our meetings of administration, in every marriage, in every parent, in every corner of every city that we're in, that we speak words of life. No, we can do it. Oh, no, we're up to the task. No, no, we can change the city. We can change our, our, our past. We can change the word spoken over us. Your mother may not have believed in you, but your God does. You may not have a degree, but you've got one that's with you. Tonight we speak life. Tonight I want to pray over you. Before I do that tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment. You say, Mike, I don't know this God that created me. I don't know God at all. We want to give you a chance to know God tonight. All you're going to ask you to do in a moment, when I count to three, is just raise your hand. You say, Mike, I want you to pray for me where I am tonight that I can start a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not joining a church. Though God believes in the church, he's building his church, and we are stronger together, but it's starting a relationship with God, saying, God, come into my life. I've been on my own. I need you to come in me and help me. I need you to fill me. I need you to lead me. I need you to direct me. God, come and just join me again. Make a way where I feel far from you tonight. God says he promises. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord, 
that he will come and rescue you from your sin and your past and you're alone. Tonight, God's that good. On the count of three, if that's you, with every head bowed, just for privacy, with every head bowed and every eye closed, on the count of three, just put your hand up real high so we can pray for you. One, it's not everybody, but it's somebody in this room tonight. Two, three, if that's you, put your hand up real quick and put it right back down. I see that hand. I see that hand. One more time, man. One more time. Someone else. I see that hand. You put it right back down. Thank you so much. Can we pray together? Can we all stand to our feet together, all in this room? Come on, let's pray as we close tonight. If you raised your hand tonight, can I encourage you to just fill this out? And it says, I'm committing my life to Christ. First box, check that out. Take it to the welcome table. All we want to do is give you a, a gift tonight and celebrate with you. That's all we want to do. We're not going to call you. We're not going to visit you, but we just want to celebrate with you tonight because it's a life-changing decision. And what God starts in you, the world will see. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for those three to four people right now that's put their hand up and said, hey, I want to know God. I want to start a relationship. I want to come back to knowing what God's goodness is in my life. Father, I bless them tonight. Father, I pray you would forgive us for our sin where we've done our own thing. We've walked away. We've taken control of our own lives. And we say, God, you know us best. Your plan is better than our plan. Tonight we say, God, would you help us? Would you rescue us? Would you direct us? We believe in our heart that you are God and you are good. And we confess with our mouth that we need help tonight. And God, we're counting on you that your word is not empty or void. That if you said it, you're going to do it. And tonight you're going to save us and help us. Father, bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. And for the rest of us tonight, God, I speak encouragement over us. Father, I speak life over this room. Every marriage, every parent, every teenager. Father, I pray right now we speak life into this church. We speak life into our families. We speak life into our city. We speak very hope and forgiveness. We speak revival. We speak repentance. We speak miracles into every need that's needed tonight. Father, we speak it and we are committed to being builders of people and builders of your plan. In Jesus' name.